a lot of us think, you know, our net worth equals our self-worth, right? But it, it doesn't have to be. And when we cultivate our abundance from the inside out, that's when abundance comes back to us. So it's really interesting how that works. Welcome to Wellness Club Podcast. I'm Amara Miranda. And I am Roberta Calabro. This podcast is about bringing more wellness states into your life. Through guest experts' interviews around holistic health and wellness practices, inspirational stories, lessons, and a new mindset. Our mission is to inspire people to heal, to raise consciousness, to live a better life. But more than just a better life. But a life full of joy, manifestations, and synchronicities. We also have the Wellness Club Marketplace, a platform for holistic health and wellness services, events, and experiences, where we connect practitioners and the public. If you want to find complementary healing therapies, wellness events, experiences, and retreats, or if you are a practitioner offering those services, go to www.wellnessclub.com. Join our community today. This podcast is sponsored by Ex-Clubhouse Tulum, a co-working and event space, and Hotel Sanja Bacalar, a magical spot known as the Maldives of Mexico. Contact them directly to get a 10% discount on your membership or reservation. Today, we are interviewing Clover Lam, a holistic money coach for free spirits and empaths. The topic is about how to turn our mindset from crisis to abundance. Clover guides her community to their authentic abundance so they can live and enjoy the present while you're building the future. Hi, Clover. I'm super excited today for you to join me for the Wellness Club, this first episode. The topic is something super trendy that everybody's talking about and it's quite tricky and emotional for many of us but it's a pleasure to have you talking about it and the topic is from crisis to abundance and I'm sure for you to be talking about this you must have your own experience your own journey with that so if you can introduce yourself tell us a bit about you and how you came to start doing this work, how, what is about your work as a holistic money coach? Yeah, sounds great. So my journey with money has been really interesting. I started out very money clueless. I had no interest in it. I like to spend <laughs> because I'm a flight attendant. So I'm exposed to so many temptations. I can buy all the things, eat all the things, shop all the things. And so naturally, I'm not really a good saver. And let alone marrying someone who was uh, in the financial industry, he would tell me all these financial jargons that I have like no interested in. And I would just roll my eyes over, get super bored, intimidated. And so there's no way that I would, you know, get into the financial space and life is ironic, right? Mm -hmm. And so when our marriage didn't work out, did like plant the seeds of how important money was, then I started like realizing that, okay, oh no, like I really don't know anything. I really had to like do something about it. And so I went online, did all the research and, and all the things. And luckily I was 
stumbling across this community called FIRE, standing for Financially Independent Retire Early. And it's amazing because it's a community that talks about money, but also talk about lifestyle design. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, I was had a condo that I owned in Toronto, Canada. And after reading the blogs, I realized, hmm, I actually don't need to like own real estate. Maybe I could rent instead. Now, this notion is usually quite opposite of what people think because it's especially as an Asian descent, real estate is everything. But instead, I really dive into the math, like crunching the numbers to see, does it actually make sense? So I realized different scenarios that the numbers actually come out to be similar. If I were to own a condo, rent, or sell it, and sorry, be a landlord, or just owning it and living there. And so because the numbers were similar, then I realized it really came down to my values. Like what do I want as a person that I would not regret? What do I want my life to look like? And so that's when I started really thinking about money in a different way, living that lifestyle, uh, being able to travel a lot more because now that I've sold the condo and renting on purpose and investing on the side, I feel like I can, you know, have the cake and eat it too. I have the best of both worlds and investing seemed very intimidating. But once I really dive in deeper, it's really like a new language, right? Like spiritual language, like an actual like English language. It's all just new words that we need to pick up and learn. And so once I realized that, oh, okay, this is actually really doable for me. And I simplify the process for me so that it's sustainable. So now that I've been able to do that. So was hiring a spiritual business coach earlier during the pandemic because I got laid off and she got the psychic download that I should combine money with consciousness. And at the time, it's interesting because what you're good at, you're most blinded to as well, because it's like so in you and you're so embodied with that, that you didn't know it was actually valuable. And so once I really like looked at like what I could offer to the world and realized, oh, actually a lot of people do struggle with money, um, especially emotionally, logically, everything together. And so now that I created my platform, my program uh, called Authentic Abundance is to really help people get to know themselves, uh, their authentic self, who they truly are without the noise from society and cultural programming, and then aligning their money with it so that they can live their own best version of life. Yes. So what made you seek these spiritual mentor or guru? And what was his or her role in your journey? Because normally when people are in financial distress, it's not something that they go and seek, right? They are like, oh, I'm so stressed, you know, all the bills. Normally, it's not something that they go seek for this kind of help, like spiritual help. So what was that, his role on your journey? Yeah, for sure. Her name is Jessie. And... I was really lucky because during the pandemic, I had my own version of spiritual awakening. 
Uh, you know, when all that time off, you had time to reflect. And I created a community called Unconventional Asians because I always felt out of place. Like I was doing something that it's outside the norm. And so that community attracted a lot of spiritual people, life coaches, therapists. And that's when I was truly exposed to inner work. Uh, previously, I was doing a lot of self-development work, which is very external, but inner work is the internal. And so once I like opened my eyes to spirituality, to what is within us already, then I was attracted to that work. It's like, how do I combine spirituality with business? And I found the perfect person. And she was able to really guide me to exactly what my sole purpose was. And at the beginning, I have to admit, it was a struggle because I almost didn't believe that that was my niche. <laughs> and it took me a while to really paint the picture of what I could do and have the message to be more clear. It took me actually two years for me to start really honing my message to my audience. And so, yeah, it definitely has been a journey, but it was a beautiful one and I don't regret it. And right now I know for a fact in my being that it is my path. Yes, that's amazing. From your perspective, from your experience, going through this journey, how would you describe this relationship between finances and spirituality? Yeah, it's very interconnected, right? Because finances will, uh, if we know of the uh, Maslow hierarchy of needs pyramid, uh, there's at the bottom food and shelter, right? It's our physiological needs. And then there's like belonging and then community and then self-actualization at the top. And so finances, I would say that's kind of the bottom um, tiers where we have to put food on our table. We have to have a roof over our head, obviously, right? And without money, we can't really do that because that's the currency in the human world, right? But then we are a spirit within the human body. And so for us to truly thrive, then it's really tapping into our true spiritual self. And that is self-actualization. And when we feel fulfilled, it's not really just having all the material wealth. After a while, it gets old. It gets boring. And most people that I see who are successful or truly happy, they have tapped into self-actualization, meaning they're giving back to society, they're contributing, they're doing something for others, but also at the same time, realizing their best potential within the best qualities. And so, um, you know, you can see people out there who are super uber wealthy materially, but who are morally bankrupt, right? Who are spiritually bankrupt, who are not happy. We know lots of those people, right? And then there are people who are spiritually so enlightened, but they have nothing. Mm -hmm. But then with the nothingness, then they're, they can't really contribute more to society, right? And sometimes they struggle to put food on their own table. So then how can we marry the two together and have the best of both worlds? And so I think the best example is Oprah, right? Oprah is the person who has embodied 
both money and spirituality because she uses her wealth to spread more of her uh, message of love, of more awareness, of more talking about healing. And so spirituality and finances are so important to have it together um, and for more people to be aware of that. Absolutely. I think you tapped into exactly the point that I wanted to get into like the roots of what I wanted to get to, which is abundance is not just about the quantity of money you have in the bank, right? It's all these different elements of your life that comes together. And then of course, when you have money, you can just minus that, right? But there are so many different elements that you can have in your life right now before you have a million dollars in your bank account. So creating this abundance mindset where, you know, yes, you are on your journey. Yes, it's hard sometimes. Yes, there can be some crisis from time to time, inflation, interest rates, but still we can find good things to enjoy in the journey, to be grateful for while we are going through all these tough moments, while we are overcoming all these or building our future, building building this, this or that, right? So it's really the point that I wanted to get, right? Amazing. 100%. Yes. Now, in terms of like, of course, you talked about your your own experience, but in terms of your clients and people that you talk to, what do you think it's the main main struggles, the main things people find hard in this in this process or, or myth? What do you see? What do you hear more about? For sure. A lot of it is mindset, really, at the end of the day. And there are several myths that I want to dispel right here. Number one is actually pretty obvious, is that you actually don't have to be good at math to be good with money. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you a personal story because I was so bad at math that in grade school, I got slapped on the hand with the ruler, like by the teacher. Like she was like actually punishing me because wow. I was so bad with math and I like couldn't help it. And it was in Hong Kong back in the day that was like, you know, I was allowed. Not anymore, obviously. But that, would imagine what that experience did to me, though. Like, that really gave me the belief that I sucked at math, right? So going forward, then I really didn't want to touch it. To a point where my university degree, I chose it because it could avoid math. (laughs) Math classes. And so... Now, fast forward to today, when I really dug deeper into finances, I realized math is actually really simple. It's really just addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. Like that's it. It's like really all you need to know. And all the extra stuff is just fluff. It's what the financial industry want you to avoid and think that it's too hard to learn so you can rely on a banker or a financial advisor or someone to teach you or, or to, to, for them to manage it for you. But it's, again, just like a new language. It can be learned, right? 
And so once I realized that, I was like, ooh, okay. And combining the fact that, ooh, what money can do for me, it means freedom. It means I can travel a lot. It means, you know, I can help more people. And when I kind of attach why, the why, the values and the emotions behind the numbers, then I realized it, it is the fact that simple math with a purpose makes you good at money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I realized it's myth number one Mm -hmm. Uh, myth number two is that a lot of people when they tackle a budget or anything to do with money they only use logic they don't think about emotions at all but if you think about like going on a diet right and if you create a diet plan that is so perfect in calories nutrients macros micros all of those things um and you put like boiled chicken and cucumbers and you know all the clean food but what if you hate cucumbers <laughs> so you can't really follow the plan right so it has to be something that is sustainable for you the perfect plan is the plan that you can stick to it's it's something that you can do for life that you will get to enjoy like you said abundance is a mindset it's a journey it's about enjoying the present moment at the same time we're going to be responsible and safe for the future and how can we do that and so that's always about aligning our values no cut out everything that we don't care about and maximize the things that we find the most joy in when we create that budget for ourselves and so that way then you can create a financial plan that feels good and aligned for you and myth number three is that I guess people always think that making more money means being wealthy so you see people who are making like a million dollar I'm a million dollar earner every single year but they forgot the other part money is money coming in but also money going out right? And making money is the skill, right? Of having money coming in. But managing money is the skill of minimizing and optimizing money going out. So you actually need both of the skills in order to create your net worth, which is what you have left in the bank account. And that amount of money create that safety, the peace of mind, and the abundance for you to have the option to be financially independent, not have to work forever, or use that money for whatever cause that you want for your for your community, right? And so instead of focusing on just one part of this of the equation, we need to look at the holistic picture. And when we listen to people on social media as well, you know, they can be making a lot of money but maybe behind the scenes, they're, you know, spending it all too. Uh, So there's this interesting stat that lottery winners, 70% of lottery winners actually lose all of their money in just several (laughs) years because they don't have managed money skills, right? And so that part is actually more important sometimes than simply making money. Yes. Yeah. So those are the three myths I would say uh, that, people have uh, over money and there's so many more of course yeah yes I guess this is also understanding the priorities how you spend that money what is it really important right because a lot of times people say I don't have money I don't have money but actually they spend with so many things that don't mean anything that at the end Mm -hmm. they don't have money for the important things or to create the life that they want 
So it's all these yeah. different elements, how you prioritize your spending as well. Or this problem of spending to please other people, right? Where you want to show off to other people, but actually it's not really giving you the satisfaction because it's not really who you are. Yes, yeah, I love that. Yeah, it sense because it's never enough. The more you try to do things to have more money, to have more things, more stuff, more material stuff, is is just trying to satisfy this need to be accepted, to be loved, so people can see you, can look at you. A lot. Of, I, this is what I see nowadays. You know, social media yeah. people want to show off, and that's why yeah. a lot of times. It, they feel like it's not enough, right? It's, yeah. it's slowly building up and, and in this journey, really knowing who we are, who, who am I, right? Who is Clover? Who is, right? Who are we and what do we really want? Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah, I, I call that, um, are you spending from your ego or are you spending from your authentic self? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's the perfect thing, exactly. Um, now, when we talk about, you know, financial crisis, inflation, interest rates, this is all I hear about. At least, you know, I I, I used to live in, in the yeah. UK, and I see the news, and all they talk about is it is, is this at the moment. Um, what are the main tips like for you, like main recommendations you would give to people in this journey, not just money, but in the holistic sense, in the journey of from spirituality, making peace within, as you said, and then moving towards the practical side. So what would be your recommendations on that? Yeah, the, I guess one thing first to um, note is that the financial cycle is always up and down all the time. So mm -hmm. this is not the first time that it's the economy has, you know, slowed down and it will do that more in the future. In the past 10, 20 years, we got really lucky that it was very prosperous, right? But maybe we forgot 2008, you know, where the financial crisis so this is not something new. And so if we know that it's a pattern, then we can prepare for it. And in fact, this is like the greatest time to build wealth because imagine all of your investments are on sale. The quality of the companies didn't decrease, right? It's just as great, but you can actually get more of them on sale right now if you are investing in the market. So but having that understanding, of course, logically, we we know something versus emotionally is very different, right? And so now what can we control, right? We can't really control the market, but we can control our own behavior, right? Our own mindsets, right? And so like you talked about so eloquently before, we can enjoy the little things in life. And if you actually dig deeper, a lot of the things that we truly want are free. Like family time together, you can go for a hike, you can go outside, you can just spend time at home. What does that cost? Nothing, right? When we go shopping, maybe that's validation that we need to look good, to be seen and all of that. Well, are there other ways that you can 
feel fulfilled within that, right? Can you validate yourself from the inside out? Can you love yourself? There are so many creative ways that we can fulfill the same need with, you know, less and not deprive yourself because I think that is really important, especially during, you know, difficult times and really sometimes lean into the emotions and ask, what are they trying to tell you? Are they trying to say like, if you're sad, what is the underlying root of why we're sad? And then really adjusting it from there. Then the shopping, the money that we're spending on top, it's not to kind of numb our emotions. And so emotional regulation is something that would, you know, be a really beneficial tool for us to learn, you know, during this time. And of course, like anything, it's a journey and really giving yourself grace and compassion for that whole thing. And so what I usually do with my clients is that we create a money mantra that is personalized mm -hmm. for them in the moments of you know like weakness it's kind of like oh what can you remind yourself that you are enough that you deserve you know abundance and abundance is really a state of mind right mm -hmm. it's a state of being and we don't need external things to fulfill all that but but i understand you need to put food on the table right like we all do. And can you then at the same time find a side hustle, side income to supplement that? Can we find ways to reduce our expense in a way that feels good? And maybe that's an opportunity to, for, for you to optimize your financial plan. And if you can see it in that positive way, you know that you're going to be prepared for anything, no matter what in the future. Yes. I always, we have a saying in Portuguese, there's mm. about in the, in the time of crisis, there are people who are using tissues like because they're crying and some yeah. people are selling the tissues. So there is always opportunity everywhere. It's all how you see. Yes. Right? So of course it can be tough, but is there a time or the other day I met a friend who said, well, you know, I lost my job, but now I'm losing this time to do my master, like to, to study to further develop myself because it's the best thing I can do. Because I know when times go right, I will come back much stronger. So is this opportunity to say, you know, this is the time I have to do something that I was postponing. So sometimes we have that push, the kick to say, you know, now is the time, go and study, go and try something new and, and so on. And, yeah, so I think it's all about adapting and creating this mindset. Whatever it is, find the reasons and the good, good lessons, right, to move yeah. forward. Exactly. That's exactly what happened to me, actually, during my divorce. It could be like the worst thing that happened to me. But honestly, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because I found my authentic self, right? It was, you know, my rock bottom, but it took me that rock bottom to motivate me and came back to who I truly am. So like you said, it's, is it an opportunity or is it a crisis? It's, well, that's actually up to you to decide. Yeah. Even though it takes time, it's this trust. Yeah. It might take no, time, exactly. but it does take trust. trust. Yes. Exactly. It's as you said, we cannot just always control what happens, but we can control how we're going to react, mindset, our attitude, right? Amazing. Yeah. So what would be your final message uh, or your final tip to our listeners? 
Yeah, really abundance. It's a state of being, right? I think that it's like really want to emphasize that because you can do that anytime, anywhere, even with very little or a lot, right? Even in the financial strategy side, if you can manage a small amount of money, you can manage a big amount of money, just like those lottery winners, right? And so even with wealth or not, if you want to be abundant, it starts with now, right? And that state of being now. And how do we do that is to first tap into gratitude. Like right away, we live, the fact that you're watching us right now, that means you have access to internet. You have a roof over your head, most likely, right? And we are already 10% of the world, right? To be able to have those luxuries. And the, you know, the air that we get to breathe, right? Um, you know, the sunshine, the wicked, the sea, all these beautiful things really put you in a higher vibration. Right. If you've heard of this emotional vibrational chart by Dr. Hawkins, he really talked about how different emotions uh, put you into a different frequency and a vibration. And then you attract those things based on the frequency. Right. And gratitude is actually the highest, one of the highest and love as well. And you can really switch into that right away. And shame is at the bottom. And with money, it's very related to shame, right? We feel ashamed that we don't want to like show our, you know, reality of our money situation to other people because of how society paint the perspective of what money means. A lot of us things, you know, our net worth equals our self-worth, right? But it, it doesn't have to be. And when we cultivate our abundance from the inside out, that's when abundance comes back to us so it's really interesting how that works yes amazing i just want to add one thing on that is yeah. you know this, this idea of don't wait until you get everything perfect the, the, the perfect house the perfect this or that you be be faithful with little and you're going to be trusted with much so just this idea of if you have a small house do your best for this house right? It's yes. like clean your house, put flowers in your house, look after because then you can have more. And I really started being paying attention to, to this, being very specific about, you know, creating this environment in my house, really looking after my money, but with, with care because money is energy, right? Yes. Money is energy. If, it, if money was a person, we need to really nurture and the money wants to be respected. So it doesn't matter yeah. if you have a little or much. Okay, I'm going to do the best with this. And how can you um, do the best with that little or that much? Because I I feel like once I really started um, respecting money, I started attracting more and having more opportunities and everything else so it's it's really beautiful oh, i love it <laughs> amazing clover thank you so much for your share and your message 
Thank you so much for having me, Myra. This has been such a wonderful time to really share because I don't think this is talked about enough in terms of money, right? It's very siloed. We either talk about abundance or we either talk about finance, but we can immerse them together. And it's so important that we do that. So thank you so much for allowing me to really share this message to the world. Thank you. Thank you.